All right, so check it out, y'all. We're going we're gonna to have a new, we're, we're launching a new series, but it's more than a series. This is going to be more like a campaign, all right, like a campaign. That's what this is going to be like. Um, it's going to be like a campaign, like a, like a commitment, like something we call each other to because there's some new things. Everybody say new things. There's some new things that God's going to do in and through WCC. We believe that and we, we claim that, we, we hold on to that. We believe that. I think by the time uh, we're done here, maybe you'll be willing to see that too. But there's some new things. And as a result, there's some new things we're going to roll out as a church family. We're going to roll out some new aspects of our liturgy here. We're going to roll out some new things, some new ways to be together. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do that over the next several weeks. And we're going to see what the Lord does in some of these things. Um, and here's why. So in 2010 of October, I preached my first sermon here. And it wasn't the kind of sermon I had planned to preach. Two months before my arrival, suffering and sorrow found its way into the lives of many people in this church. Some of you may remember that. And so instead of preaching the message I had planned to preach, I felt the Lord leading me to offer a message that named the sorrows and offered the hope. So Romans 8 became our text for the first few weeks of my tenure here to serve with you. When we talked about the sufferings, that we feel and the weights we carry. And we allowed God to speak to the groaning. We allowed God to speak to the present suffering through His grace, love, and mercy that was found in King Jesus. And we declared with Scripture that we would remain a kingdom people of hope, a kingdom people of grace. And we declared during that series that we would always deal honestly with the sufferings that we feel, we'll always deal honestly with the sufferings that happen in the world. We claimed during that series, my first series here, that we would be a church that would name things, that would call sins and injustices what they are, and that would name them, and we would do so from the hearts of who we are to the heart of society, to the heart of this country, to the heart of the world. That's what we said. And we would do so because that's what it would mean to be faithful to the gospel mission of God. And that was actually the series title, The Gospel Mission of God. And none of us could have imagined the suffering and sorrow we would walk through together back then. None of us. If you've been here this whole 10 years, none of us could imagine that. Even still, God granted us the grace to grow deeper and wider as a family. We grew in faith and we grew in number. We are the largest we've ever been as a faith community in the 57-year history of this church. We are the most socioeconomically diverse, racially diverse, ethnically diverse, and generationally diverse we have ever been. And over these 10 years, we've experienced repentance, restoration, and healing. And back again. We have seen God's Holy Spirit work in some of our gatherings in tremendous ways. And Robin, do you remember a long time ago, it was like, Eight years ago, I don't remember, but we, we were playing Tis So Sweet and Trust in Jesus, and the whole church came forward to release anxiety. You remember that? We whole, like, the whole church came forward. It was the craziest thing. We were moving stuff in the middle of the, of the worship, trying to, because we were all just releasing the anxiety. We, we saw things like that. We saw outpourings of the Spirit in profound ways, even just, just in our gatherings. We've witnessed God bring liberation and salvation. We've witnessed extraordinary things outside of our gatherings. We'll talk about it in a minute. We've witnessed grief. We have witnessed celebration. We have witnessed births. We have witnessed deaths. We have witnessed marriages. We have witnessed divorces. We have witnessed unexpected failures and witnessed unexpected blessings. We have witnessed prayers answered in surprising ways and witnessed prayers seem to go unanswered in disappointing ways. We have witnessed our church have hard conversations 
about tough matters and have witnessed our church struggle to have them. But we've had them anyway. We have witnessed people leave and we've witnessed people come. We have witnessed devastating sorrows and we have witnessed exhilarating joys and as a community of faith, we've shared in it all together. Now, not all of us have shared in the same events. But every person who's a part of this family have shared in these past events in some ways, even in the present. Because we are who we are because of what God has done. We went from having no college students to 70. We've seen extraordinary things, just as an example. Some of you remember Garrett's accident. Garrett, if you're visiting, was the man who's shepherds with Aaron, our family ministries. Some of you remember the day sitting at the Sal's eating pizza with our missional community. And I got the call from Robin. Some of you remember hearing Garrett talk about how while he was in the MRI machine, no longer feeling his lower body, he heard the Lord tell him, you will have life to the full. Some of you remember us coming together and renovating their house and building a ramp. Some of you were even there. And some of you were not there, but you still remember the story because Garrett courageously tells us this story often. And we have witnessed strength and resilience and faith of a family willing to invite us to share in their journey forward. We have witnessed dark nights of suffering turn into joy in the morning and even back again. Some of you remember my family going through the adoption process for four years. Some of you remember that gnarly beard that I grew as a symbol until that child would come home. Some of you remember the heartbreaking failed adoption, specifically the two times we came so close to getting a call that we presented it to you because we were going to need help. Some of you remember that we went through the process because of two convictions we held. One, that there were children who needed homes, and two, since we weren't able to grow our home with another birth child, we wanted to have room for more. And all of you shared in those joys and those sorrows. And then all of you shared in the moment when Latanya Chamberless called on us and the Ligon family and the Chamberless family become one family when Javari became and came to live with us as we took legal guardianship and he became a part of our family. And now the Ligons and the Chamberless are, are the Ligonlerlesses. Or something like that. <laughs> Y'all, we've played a significant role in the life of our city, and you've seen it. You, we played a significant role in the life of our city, so much so that 3E Restoration Incorporated, a 501c3 nonprofit, grew out of the work of this church. It's a national nonprofit now. Did you know that? There are 10 churches now doing work in the city, it's in different cities and states. And where did it grow from? It grew from this church. From the way this church loved people on the streets. We knew suffering and we knew that people were suffering. And we knew how to suffer. So we knew how to enter into the suffering of other people. And so we welcomed them into our lives. And not just into a Sunday gathering, but into our homes. So much so that when they passed away due to the effects of homelessness, we felt the loss. We paid for the burial. We did as a church. We loved them in life. We loved them in death. So much so that when we started feeling this loss, we hosted the Homeless Persons Memorial Day. We were the inaugural host of that event. It's a national event. And we stepped into that space to fill that void for our entire city because the loss was great and every neighbor who died on the street should be remembered and mourned 
and celebrated for the life they lived. We witnessed God take us in 2010. We were $250,000 in debt as a church in 2010. And in two years, we witnessed God make us debt free. Two years. Praise the Lord. Guess how much debt we have now? Zero ninety nine. Right? Praise the Lord. You know why? Because we resisted certain impulses as a body. We outgrew our space. I mean, you can't look at it now, but you know, pandemic. We outgrew our space, and we, we outgrew both services, and we were like, let's, let's, should we expand? Well, $10 million said no. Should we, should we go over here and do this rent thing? And we said, well, if you we do this rent thing, we can't help people within our church and people in the city. Why? Because we're a church that the city of Williamsburg calls when they have needs. We're a church that James City County calls when they have needs. Why is that? Because of the good preaching? I can tell you, you'll figure that out in about five minutes. No. Is it because of the music? I mean, I like our music. But no, it doesn't have to do with the gathering. Nobody in the county and the city came in and said, hey, I think we'll call on this church because they have nice chairs. That's not how it worked. It's the witness. Everybody say the witness. And it's the courage of every person in this church to take the faith seriously and to take it beyond Sundays. And when we were, when we were debt-free in 2012, you know what we decided to do? We didn't decide to build up the storehouses. We caught word. We caught word that there were 250 AIDS orphans in Kenya, particularly in Tarakwa Village, who were being beaten and abused and had nowhere to go. And we felt the call of God. And so for a year, we prayed and fasted and gave and gave and gave. And at the end of the year, we were able to, by God's grace, raise enough money to build an orphanage, a school, plant a church, hire three teachers, deal two wells, two water wells so they're not traveling miles to get water, a cornmeal machine, created jobs and homes for over 200 children in Tarakwa. Y'all remember the story I told for those who were here when I was walking through the villages of Tarakwa and I was walking with a an elder of the village as he was walking his cow down with a couple of the other uh, members of the community in Kenya. And he said, he asked them if I was the crazy Mzungu they had heard about. Mzungu is white man. I get called crazy a lot. And the, the Kenyan said, yes, this is the one. And he said, tell me about your Lord. Because I don't know much about him, but I know he's visited Tarakwa. Come on now. That's the witnesses we've been a part of. And you know what? It's not because we have good preaching. And it's not because we have good singing. And it's not because we have nice pews. We don't have pews, chairs, you know what I mean. It has nothing to do with this moment in and of itself. This moment matters. This moment cycles through the hearts and the minds that call us to the places and the spaces God already is at work. We just join God in what God is already doing. It's because we take faith seriously. Or we're learning how. You want to know how we came debt free, by the way? So when the church was in such significant debt, we were almost going to have to lay off a staff member. It was just me, Garrett, and Dave at the time. Draw straws, I don't know. Now, we had a rule of life as a staff. Love one another for God's sake. Guard one another's backs. Protect one another's personal values. Believe one another's motives. And sing one another's praises. 
I was working a part-time job at Chick-fil-A every morning trying to make ends meet. The rest of us were all trying to make ends meet, and here we are as a church. We've doubled in size. We doubled in size, but because of the kind of brothers and sisters we were reaching, the offering didn't, and the needs grew, and we were going, we're going in the hole. So the staff agreed that we would all take a 15% pay cut before anybody got cut. So we were sitting in an elders meeting, and we caught word that there were 21 orphans in Kenya. This is before the 200 orphans we found out about. Who were in a village. The village got ransacked and they had nowhere to go. And I brought those orphans to the elders at $35 an orphan. And I said, here we can do. We can, we can. What, do you, what, what should we do? And you know what our elders did? Our elders didn't do the math. Because they're not good businessmen, if you know what I'm saying. They didn't add 35 times 21 and make up the difference in the offering. They didn't say, well, if we ask people in the church to give 35 a month to support these kids, and how are we going to bring up the offerings? Fred, we're almost going to have to lay off somebody. How are we going to do this? You know what they did? They said, we're going to go about the Father's business. And that was the month. That was the month that WCC turned from the red into the black. That was the month that God began liberating WCC from the debt. Praise the Lord. Many of us remember these stories. Many of us remember how a few years ago we got a call from a group home of men and women living with mental illness and intellectual disabilities. 25 of them or so. They're run by some sisters in Nigeria who came here because God told the sisters from Nigeria to come to Williamsburg because we're not caring for our differently abled neighbors very well. We got a call from them, and they said, hey, we heard that you accept anybody in your church. I said, we do. We have John Sprankle, and <laughs> it's clear that we definitely accept anybody. And She said, well, we've been asked to leave two churches, and we're wondering if we could come to yours. I said, thing is, it's not mine, sister. It's Jesus' church. And if I answered no, then we would be no more than a country club. But since we're a people of God, the answer is yes. Let me talk to the church so we know how to love you well when you come. The Lawanga community have been a part of our lives now for how long, Sherry John? Long time now. And we witnessed two year, three years ago when their house burned down. Remember that? What did we do? We raised money right here in the gathering. Walked away with what was it? John, how much was it? Anybody remember? About $7,000. And we and how many of us, about 35 or so families met them at Walmart and took them all shopping for clothes. Do you know that? That's the witness of this church. And you know what it dawns on me? The more faithfully we try to be a witness to the injustices of society, to tell the truth, and do so with our actions and not just our words. The more it dawns on me that that's how God grows this church. God will entrust people to a group he can trust. Are we trustworthy? See, we've been trustworthy. But are we going to be trustworthy? Because you know what I don't believe? I don't believe that God does reruns. God's all about spinoffs. See, we can sit back and we can talk about all the beautiful things God has done in the 57-year history of this church. I'm just covering the last 10, and I'm, we're not even scratching the surface. But God doesn't do reruns. God doesn't want to do repeats. God wants to do something new. 
That's why you're here. You're here because you're a part of the something new God wants to do. That's what I believe. You've got to sort that out. God wants to do something new. You know what I realize about our church? We're complicated. Come on now, I need an amen out of that. Stephanie Childress, amen. <clears throat> We've seen the Childresses and the Allens raise their hand and say they'll take other kids in because their mama needs to get wet. Come on now, we could talk about this for days, couldn't we, Stephanie? But see, Stephanie knows we're complicated because she's married to Larry, and she knows Larry's part of this church. <laughs> we are a complicated church because of all the wondrous beauty of who we are. We're a hot mess. And I wouldn't trade us for the world. But you know what I've come to realize? We're not an affinity group church. You know what an affinity group is? An affinity group is a group of people that you get together with because you already have a lot in common with them and they're good social friends. You kind of all think about the same things the same way. You kind of all share the same socioeconomic class, maybe same race, maybe the same ethnicity, same story. But, you know, people that you enjoy hanging out with and that you naturally meet and you go, man, I connect with them. That's an affinity group. We're not an affinity group, church. Because you're not going to be as different and diverse in every story that we are and actually be an affinity group, church. Because we don't smell the same, we don't vote the same, we don't think the same, we don't look the same, we don't act the same, we don't share the same story. And you know what? That makes church complicated. It's easy to make connections, but it's hard to build community. And it's going to take work. And that's the new thing God's going to have to do. But you know what? Jesus didn't call it an affinity group of disciples together either, did he? I mean, come on, think about it. Two nationalist terrorists... Simon Zealot and Judas Iscariot with Matthew, the tax collector, and some blue-collar people and aristocrats in between. I don't think they were all hanging out and going to the movies. You know what I'm saying? He called them together. So the good news is, Jesus didn't call an affinity group of disciples together. And you know what else? Pentecost didn't create an affinity group of disciples together. Not when males and females and slaves and non-slaves and everybody else in between are going to have the Holy Spirit. The good news is, God didn't call affinity groups together. And so we're, 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 we're at a good starting place. But you know what? If you're going to find your friends, it's going to be hard. If we're going to have community, it's going to require effort. Because we're not an affinity group church. And in that way, we are exactly where we need to be. Are y'all hearing me? We are exactly where we need to be because we're not an affinity group church. We are called to something higher than affinity groups and social friendships. We are called to a shared way of life with God and the fellowship of the saints where shared experiences are created and their surprising friendships are made. Are you with me? Where shared experiences are created and in the shared experience, surprising friendships are made. You know why the, why the Liggins and the Childresses are good families, are good friends, like really, really, really good friends, like lifelong friends? Because we were in a missional community and we shared experiences together in that missional community consistently and faithfully. We rebuilt neighbors' gardens, we threw parties, we studied scripture, and we just grew close and we shared burdens and shared experiences create surprising friendships. I wouldn't hang out with Larry if I had a choice. <laughs> Feelings mutual, bro. But I love me some Larry Childress. 
Allison went to Auburn University. The Childresses are Alabama fans. If you don't know what that means, you just need to know that those are fighting words. We're not an affinity group church. But God didn't call us to affinity group. He called us to something higher. And you know what? I think the Lord must have known that we would struggle with this. The Lord must have known that preachers like me would blow it from time to time, time and again. The Lord must have known that we would start blaming everybody else for not having friends, not having community. The Lord must have known that we would struggle if we actually became the community of faith that God called His people to be. And so the Lord issued over 51 another commands that are as practical as the day is long. So page 8 in your worship guide. Page 8 in your worship guide. See, the Lord must have known that we would need practical ways to live into this non-affinity group kind of life, this community kind of life where shared experiences are created and surprising friendships are made. And so the Lord issued over 51 another commands. Everybody say one another commands. Not suggestions, not hints, not helpful tips. One another, I know we don't like this in our culture, commands. And you know the only way to live into the one another commands is to have an another in your life. And you look around, look around, everybody look around. Everybody say, I am your another. Say it. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I'm out. I just got a call. I, uh... <laughs> read it with me. Read them with me. Let's read them together. Be at peace with each other. Love one another. Love one another. Love each other. Love each other. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Pause. Look at that. Let's read that one again. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Let me pause for a minute. Notice it doesn't say live in perfect melody with one another. You know why? It's not melody, right? Because we all sing in a different song, but the notes have to harmonize. We can vote differently. We can think differently. We can be differently. But we need to harmonize around the reign of Jesus. Love one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All right, no, 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 no. We ain't doing that. But I said this in the first gathering. Alvin Waltrip is going to lead our holy kiss ministry. I'll let y'all worry about that later. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Come on now. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Pause. It's mutual submission, y'all. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Do not lie to each other. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Pause. That admonish one another means tell one another the truth. 
Now, what will happen is when we start getting the truth told to us, we're going to go to the whole, like, stop passing judgments of one another command. No, we're going to start pulling. But we are called to tell one another the truth, too. Why? But by bearing with one another in love for one another. We call that in our rule of life, say it with me, love one another for God's sake. Not for your sake, not for my sake, but for God's sake. We take our rule of life seriously. If you're part of this church, at least we're supposed to. Keep going. Make yourself increase, overflow for each other. Make your love increase. Look, make your love increase. Make your love increase. That takes effort, doesn't it? Like, in order to make your love increase, in order to make your love increase, you got to put yourself in a position to grow your love. Love each other. Encourage each other. Encourage one another. Build each other up. Encourage one another daily. Spur on one another in love and good works. Encourage one another. Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Live in harmony with one another. Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Pause. Hospitality literally translates a kinship love for strangers. The church is called to welcome its strange self into each strange person's home. Then pause. You know why we do the reading cohort in the summer? Because the hope is you'll get on the realm and you'll look at the names of the people who are participating in the reading cohort. And you'll see a name of somebody you don't know and you'll see Lilia's name. And you'll be like, okay, so then you call Lily and say, hey, Lily, are you, which book are you reading? Lily will be like, I'm reading The Deeply Formed Life. And you'll be like, so am I. We don't know each other. Well, you want to go grab coffee and talk about the book? It's a built-in way to break the ice, which at the end of the day is the one hard thing we all, not all, many of us struggle with. There are many different ways to engage. We have to do it, Beloved. Offer hospitality one another without grumbling. Let's keep going. Each one should use whatever gift he has to serve others. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. All right, let's bring it home. Love one another. 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 Come on now. And all of these 50-something commands get summed up in an arguably overly simplistic way All of these 50-something commands get summed up in our rule of life. Let's say it together. Love one another for God's sake. Guard one another's backs. Protect one another's personal values. Believe one another's motives. And sing one another's praises. These statements are commands that when obeyed lead to a transformed, unified, healthy, on mission with God, gospel-centered church filled with disciples who are experiencing Christ in real, tangible ways where surprising friendships are made. Y'all with me? We have to be faithful. So here's what I want to say. God can do all the new things God wants to do. But if you won't let it include you, there is nothing else God can do. That just rhymed, didn't it? I don't even know what I said. 
It's on the record. In other words, you have to decide to be one of the one another's. And you have to decide to be one of the one another's in Sundays and out of Sundays in between the week. The church can plan and program till the cows come home. But if you are nowhere to be found, then it won't matter. And here's the thing, we all going to have reasons not to. But raise your hand if you have witnessed people in this church share your burdens. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have shared in the burdens of somebody in this church. Because we need each other. Beloved, the church is not a business, it's a body. It's not an organization, it's an organism. Living, breathing, growing, changing, adapting, moving. A powerful force of the reign of God. We must be more than a gathering of people. We must be a koinonia, a common life. We need to go beyond making connections to building community so that we can share in the mission of God together. God is going to do a new thing in this church. We need to put away our dim views of the church and all her problems and limitations. The church as God designed it is what we are called to be a part of. So one of the things we're going to try to do over the next several weeks is roll rolling out some new spaces, some new ways we can connect and in the hope go into community because we're not an affinity group church. What are we not? An affinity group church. So we're going to have to try a little harder. Are y'all with me? Come on now, y'all with me? We're going to try a little harder. We're going to try a little harder. Which may mean you may have to reorganize your life a little bit to open your life up to the kingdom of God more and more. Especially in the life of this church, family, and what God is doing. So we're going to roll out some new components or new ways in which our liturgy is participated in by all of us over the next several weeks. We're going to launch some new spaces and maybe some new impulses, some new ways of being together. We're going to create new, new not programs, I won't say programs, we're going to create new spaces, new, new events, maybe throw some parties, and maybe do some things over the next several weeks, and we're going to do it with intentionality. One of the most mundane things we're going to start with, it's one of the most simple things we're going to do, is we're going to have fourth Sunday picnics. Starting in June, fourth Sunday picnics. Which Sunday? Fourth Sunday. We're going to start in our yard this month, and then we're going to go to Freedom Park the next month, and then the beach the next month, and then the Childress's the next month. You'd think they wouldn't take us. We should all show up. They'd be like, they'd be like glad you're here. Glad you're so... We're going to have picnics. We're going to party together. We're going to be together. We're going to play games together. We're going to get to know each other. And here's the thing. If you're, that's, that's not your thing, Cool. Be one of the another's that are there. And the hope is through just those simple things and then some of the things we're doing within our liturgy and some of the other things. We've got small groups launching, more small groups launching, actually. Missional communities are getting ramped back up. All the, all the older spaces are carrying into the new, but we're going to have some new wineskins carrying into this new season. And we would love for you to be a part of that. And if you have said this is your church home, then you have said you would be. 
Because we have no problem as a church bearing one another's burdens. I'm not saying we get it perfect. But, I mean, y'all just saw the hands. We have no problem being the kind of church the city needs to call on or the county needs to call on. And I'm not saying that, obviously y'all know, I'm not saying that to Brian, I'm saying that we, we know how to live into that kind of life together. We need to be a community of people who know each other and love each other. And that's going to take some work. Are you up for it? Come on now, are you up for it? All right. Because every week we gather, we come to this table, and we say we're up for it. Because you know what's true about the table of the Eucharist? You know what's true about the bread and the, the cup, the body and the blood of Jesus? Is you and I don't get to choose who sits at the table. So why? Why? Hear me out. You don't get to choose who sits at this table, and neither do I. So why do we think we have permission to choose who sits at our kitchen tables? Because we're looking for affinity groups. Let's stop looking for affinity groups. And let's discover surprising friendships.